Hi, it's Kev here. And I'd just like to say a big thank you to everyone who signed up to our Patreon or bought the show a coffee. It's sincerely the only reason you're listening to these words now. Without your support, it simply wouldn't be possible. So, as a thank you, I will now be producing a weekly short show for Patreons called Dark Bites. I will also be doing a longer episode once a month solely for Patreons. This will be on top of receiving the extra episodes in between seasons and also receiving the standard episode two days before everyone else. So again, thank you. If you'd like to sign up to Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. I, like you, support the shows I listen to through Patreon. However, some people have asked if there's an alternate way that they can support the show. So, I'm glad to announce that if you're willing to support the content you listen to, you can go and buy me a coffee. It's a new website which allows you to make a one-time donation. And you can find the link for that, along with our Patreon link, in the show notes. Again, thank you to all of our supporters. You really do allow the show to continue. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 3. Hello, and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal. Today, I'll be reading out a series of experiences from one listener. And you'll see when you listen to the entirety of the episode. The question I have when I finished reading it was maybe the house wasn't haunted itself. Maybe the writer of the story is the person who is haunted. Although we paranormal folk think differently, sceptical people tend to have a lot more leniency when discussing items or inanimate objects which may be haunted. Houses, roads, cars, mirrors. However, they always seem a bit more sceptical at the chance a person could be the thing that's haunted. We've spoken in the past on the show about people who seem to have a permanent attachment. However, maybe we're too quick to jump to that conclusion. What to say the person who assumes they're haunted or they have an attachment actually is quite psychic and is picking up several ghosts and spirits wherever they go. Who knows, it's definitely food for thought. But before we get into this week's experience, I'd like to thank this week's Patreons and listeners who've bought the show a coffee. So a big thank you to Kirsty Vox, Ellie Odegaard, Rebecca Kelly and Gregory Kirkpatrick. Your support means the world to me and this show. So thank you. Now, leave your disbelief at the door, lower the lights and join me in the dark paranormal. I'm writing in today 
about my ongoing paranormal experiences. Names will be changed, not because I care about concealing my own identity, but because people around me may not be comfortable with their names and experiences attached to a public podcast. Regardless, I have been experiencing the paranormal throughout my entire, albeit relatively short, life. I've decided to share this now in the hopes that my stories will reach someone my age or younger and deter them from making the same mistakes that I did. Although the activity has been ongoing, there are a few significant stories that have occurred throughout my life. Up until about age eight, I had a relatively normal childhood. I lived in a very typical suburban USA town. Everyone went to first through fifth grade at school that was a block's walk from our houses. My particular group of friends spent a lot of time outside pretending to be pirates or wizards or whatever came to mind that day. We also spent time playing Dungeons and Dragons and fantasising about things beyond our known reality. Aside from our growing interest in the slightly macabre, nothing seemed out of place or extraordinary in the way that would anticipate hauntings or ghosts or something else entirely. As we grew older, some of our friends grew apart and a core group was left. Myself, Brian and Dean were pretty much the only ones left after about the age of 10 to 11. We used to watch the Ology series on the Discovery Channel, if anyone remembers that. They would have different instalments, but our favourite one was about monsters and we would religiously watch it. There was also a book series that featured monsterology, dragonology, wizardology, vampireology and ghostology. Now, you must remember, we were young children. And regardless of what you believe about children having an easier time seeing the paranormal than adults, we were nevertheless impressionable. We became fascinated with what was essentially the paranormal. Things that we couldn't see or explain in everyday life. As we got older, we focused in more on ghosts, demons and what one would typically think of when talking about the paranormal. Barnes & Noble, a very popular bookstore in our area, became our haven for information, meetings and general hangouts to discover the paranormal and plan our next adventure through town hunting down ghosts or oddities. We didn't realise that Barnes & Noble would become a Pandora's box of information and realities we never asked for. At one point, one of us acquired a Ouija board for a birthday present, if I remember correctly. Now, with ghost stories and hauntings for me, the creepiest ones are the ones that come out of nowhere for no particular reason. I say this because, although we've attempted to use the Ouija board multiple times at my friend Dean's house, We never actually got it to work, except this once. I walk into Dean's house 
which at that point is a very familiar place for me, and I take off my shoes. Hey Dean, what are we getting into today? I asked. I guess we'll have to find out. Let's go downstairs, he replied. I followed him down the stairs to the basement, which, as I previously mentioned, was filled with books on the paranormal, DVDs, and the Ouija board. It was later in the afternoon, and we were waiting for our friend Brian to show up so we could decide what to do. In the meantime, we scoured through our books, reading up on dragons and monsters and ghosts. Oh, look at this, Dean remarked, pointing to a page out of the Wiser Field Guide to the Paranormal, which still sits on my bookshelf to this day. Poltergeists. They seem quite annoying compared to the other ghosts, throwing things around and bothering everyone all the time. I'd hate to see one, he said, as though he was taunting the air, or a potential poltergeist hiding behind the couch that was just waiting for its cue to come out and harass us. I grunted, acknowledging Dean enough, while still being able to focus on what I was reading about. Demons. Whilst Dean got into moods about the darker side of the paranormal, I had a consistent interest in it as a kid. Why? I have absolutely no idea. We sat in silence for about half an hour as Dean's family lived out their Sunday afternoon upstairs. Then we heard the front door open and shut, with a bang of two shoes hitting the floor, signalling that Brian was here. We dropped our books and met him upstairs. What's up, Brian? Are you ready to do something? We both asked, in different ways to him, but at the same time. He nodded with a big grin, and we all ran downstairs, pushing each other playfully along the way. When we got downstairs, we started to look around to find something to do. I remember the Ouija board standing out eerily as though it was sitting there waiting for us to pick it up and use it, watching us. I don't really know how to explain it, but when I was a kid, and even sometimes now, I can feel when inanimate objects have some sort of purpose or intention. Anyway, we inevitably gravitate towards the Ouija board. Brian scoffs, As a relative non-believer, Oh, that thing again. Think you'll catch a ghost this time? Me and Dean ignored him, as we usually did back then, and broke out the board and planchette. We dimmed the lights for dramatic effect, and we all suddenly became serious. A big sigh was released by all, and Dean began. All spirits here today... Please come forth and speak, if you have a message to say. Silence. No rustling of the planchette on the board or movement of any kind. We looked around at the room and at each other, and Dean began again. This time a little louder, with a deeper and more serious voice than before. Spirits here today. 
please come forth and speak. If you have a message to... This was all I remembered before my lips started to tingle. My eyes rolled to the back of my head and my body fell backwards into the cushions and pillows we'd laid out on the floor. Before I closed my eyes, an outline appeared in the corner of the room that I was facing. I was young and this memory is very distant now, but I seem to remember the outline of an older man standing there, looking at our group, and then me fainting. I wake up to a very concerned Dean, not yelling, but just shaking and asking me, Wake up! Wake up! Are you okay? Oh God, wake up! I woke up as though out of a cold sweat and a bad dream, shooting up from my laying position, breathing heavily. Wow! What happened? Was your dad down here? I asked Dean, confused about the figure I saw in the corner. No, he's at work. There's no one else down here. Why? What did you see? Dean asked. I told him what I'd seen, and he thought for a moment, and then went. Well, I guess I never told you guys but my grandfather actually passed away in this house. We were actually kind of annoyed at him. Why would he not tell us something like that before we used a Ouija board? Brian, seeming kind of nervous, said, This thing is stupid anyway, and quickly packed it up and put it back on the shelf. I don't think anyone mentioned that day to anyone ever again but that didn't deter us from continuing to dive into the unknown. Eventually, Brian left our group, and it was just me and Dean. We never stopped our trips to Barnes & Noble, and as we grew older and older, we were less inclined to shy away from the spookier, more macabre stuff on the shelves, and explore the adult side of the paranormal. Eventually, we became fascinated with demons, witches, and other things. At first, this interest was gentle and somewhat pure. I gravitated towards Wicca, the New Age pagan religion that essentially celebrates nature's elements and the magic that surrounds them. My friend Dean followed in the same path, until we discovered the Necronomicon. And this is where the hauntings truly began. The Necronomicon, for whatever you believe about it, holds some very dark energy. Regardless of whether it's the text that changes the way we perceive the world, or, as some believe, it's not a work of fiction and does indeed work, there is something powerful about it. It began one day in the bookstore, scrolling through the paranormal-slash-religious aisle. My eye caught the book, its glistening black cover with sharp white text, which stood out to me apart from the hundreds of others. I picked it up, and something about it was so appealing. I immediately opened it and started reading, 
Dean came over and asked, What is that? with wild fascination in his eyes. I replied, with half of my attention still on the book, I think it's about working with the dead and demons and how to summon them and stuff. I knew I had to buy it, and that night it came home with me. As kids, even though we were into this type of stuff, we didn't understand the weight some of it held. Whilst reading the book, we began to follow it, as if religiously, reciting its text and following the instructions it provided on occasions that we felt inclined. About a year or so after we began to follow the Necromonicon, there was tragedy in my family. My mother had me somewhat late, in her early forties, so my grandparents were naturally quite old at a relatively young age for me. Both of my grandparents had dementia and were in their late 80s and 90s when I was about 10 to 11, and shortly they both passed. Now, I was close to both of my grandmothers, but this one I was exceptionally close with and I loved her very much as she loved me. I was sad, but also young when they died, so I didn't get to process it until I grew up a little later in life. Soon after they died, my godfather, who was battling cancer for a very long time, died as well. By the time I was 13, much of my immediate family had passed away. It all made me very sad, and I processed it very differently given my age. Regardless, life went on, and I was forced to face middle and high school, which was a whole other challenge unto itself. But my fascination for the occult and the paranormal didn't waver. Eventually, Dean and I drifted apart as high school started and we found different interests and friend groups. That just left me with my varying beliefs, both in witchcraft the Necromonicon, and ghosts. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. 
So head over to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's PolicyGenius.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will admit that I attempted to use the Ouija board a few times by myself, but to no avail. As I was young, I didn't say goodbye or make sure to put it back in its box and finish the session. It was left out and open to any spirits which decided to come through it. About a week after I did this, it went missing, along with the Necromonicon. Now, this is where the hauntings became both consistent and disturbing. The grief from passing of many of my relatives, along with the loss of my paranormal materials, cast a seriously uneasy vibration in my house. The grief led my mother to take many long drives consistently, as this was her way of grieving. This, however, left me in the house... Alone. On one fall afternoon, I remember being bored in the house, wandering around. I landed in a room for a while and then came out to get something. I was on the first floor and heard, Matt! Matt! It sounded like my mother on the second floor screaming for me as though she was in pain or needed help with something urgently. Now, something she always did which annoyed me was call for me, make me walk through the entire house to her, to say something she could have just yelled at me from across the house, or from floor to floor. So I yelled back, What? Are you okay? Before heading upstairs to try and get her to tell me what she needed. No response. A few seconds passed by, and she yelled again, Matt! Matt! Annoyed and frustrated, I walked up the stairs and into her room. What do you need? I stopped dead in my tracks. There was no one in the room. The air was cold and stale. My heart sank right along with my stomach, A tingle travelled throughout my body and I felt as though there was something at every angle watching me. Mum? I yelled out as loud as I could, thinking maybe she'd just gone into another room. No response again. 
I thought for a split second and decided to run downstairs to check to see if her car was in the driveway and to make sure she was home. The driveway was empty. A simple sight I never imagined could feel so horrible. I felt sick. But I knew that my Necromonicon and my Ouija board were missing and that there wasn't much I could do. I didn't have the knowledge as a teenager of protection spells or rituals and I didn't grow up in a religious enough household to think about blessing the house with a priest. I tried to go about what I was doing but I could tell my face was pale. I was shaking and although the house was empty I did not feel alone. I thought about it afterwards and wanted to believe maybe it was my grandmother or my godfather trying to make contact with me or watch over me. But the more I thought about it, the more the house grew darker and darker and the more I felt as though it was something much worse than voices of dead relatives. I just felt in the air I knew it was not friendly, nor something helpful. A few days later, my mum was out with her clients for work, and I, again, was in the house alone. I never felt alone, though, not after what happened a few days before. Now, our basement was one of the many places that me, Dean and Brian would mess around with the occult, And it was the one place in the house I would absolutely not go. And if I had to, to get something, I would sprint up those stairs before whatever I felt was right behind me had a chance to reach out and touch me. The scariest part about these stories was that I did not seek these happenings out. They came to me. I was going about my normal day when slam. The door downstairs in the basement that led to the hot water heater swung shut with the force of a strong old man. I stood directly above it on the first floor and again stopped walking, mouth gaping. What the f- I muttered under my breath. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Boots were slamming against the basement floorboards. I almost threw up. My whole body went tingly. I prayed that my mum had arranged for a handyman to come round and just forgot to tell me. I yelled out, "Uh, Hello? With no response. I dropped whatever I was holding and sprinted out of the house. There was no car in the driveway except for mine which I climbed into and locked the doors. With shaky hands, I picked up my cell phone and dialed my mum. Mum, there's... there's something... there's someone in the house. I heard boots stomping on the basement floor and someone slammed the door shut. She paused and said, There shouldn't be anyone there. But I'll come home soon and look. Sit tight. She hung up the phone and I sat in my car for about an hour. 
I refused to go back into the house alone. I didn't play games on my phone or drive to a friend's house. I was in shock and was just wishing that whatever was in the house would go away. My mum eventually got home and checked the house. As expected, there was no one there. No signs of forced entry or burglary. Nothing was gone or missing. At the time, I actually thought there was an intruder in the house. That's how real it sounded. It wasn't until later, when my mum came home, that I realised there was never anyone in the house. And there was probably a spirit. Or maybe something much, much worse. On more than one occasion, me and my mother were in separate rooms in the house and we both heard each other yelling for one another but when either of us went into the room to see what the other needed, we found that neither of us had called. Months after this activity started up, I was getting something from our fridge in the basement and I reached on top of the fridge and there... I felt the frilled edges of a book. I was curious as to what book was up there as I never remembered putting anything on top of the fridge. Lo and behold, when I brought the book down to my eyesight, those sharp white letters glared into my eyes with the glistening black background that stared right back at me as if it were a mirror. It was my Necromonicon. My teeth clenched and I immediately walked it upstairs, out of the front door and threw it into the street, only to come back an hour later and find it missing from the ground. As though someone took it off the ground and carried it away. I looked around the whole street and couldn't find it anywhere. I never found my Ouija board and to this day, I don't know where it is. Oddly, the activity didn't stop after I threw away the book. In fact, on one occasion, I woke up from a night's sleep to find marks on my body. A handprint of a grown man and scratches along my side suddenly appeared after I slept. Honestly, in hindsight, the scariest part about this was after my initial reaction. I just carried on with my day. I'd grown used to it and settled on if it didn't hurt me or my family, I wouldn't really care. And it's that numbness from the activity that truly scares me. Eventually, the activity died down, but it never went away. I found later in life an extremely old Ouija board in my mum's closet that she had had since she was a child but had lost the planchette. Something about that object creeped me out and I never messed with it at all. Fast forward to the present day. I've been with my fiancé now for five years and at one point, straight out of college, had lived at my mother's house before we moved to our current apartment. 
On multiple occasions when I was at work and my fiancé was in my mother's house alone, she reported, in her own words, hearing something drop as if a small child dropped a rubber ball on the floor above me and it bounced along the floor until it stopped. She's also told me about hearing footsteps and very faint laughter coming from different rooms when no one was in the house. When we lived there briefly, we set up a small studio-like apartment space, you guessed it, in the basement. Now, we live in a high-rise apartment. It's a relatively new apartment, not too old or creepy at all. Of course, that did not mean it wasn't full of activity. For reference, we live on the 13th floor. Our particular hallway is dingy and relatively quiet. It doesn't seem like many people live in the apartments surrounding ours. I'm not entirely sure what I believe about the superstition surrounding the number 13, but our apartment is absolutely haunted. There is a light switch for the ceiling light right above the front door. One night, my fiancé and I are sitting on the couch, which is to the left of the front door light, watching a movie. The light switch is switched to off. Suddenly, the light turns on. We both stop watching and look at each other, nervously, then at the light. Now, this could have been an electrical issue, which I would be more than happy to believe but the switch itself was flipped to the on position. Something had moved the switch. My fiancé has also experienced a fair amount of paranormal activity, so we just looked at each other, sighed, and turned the movie back on. This also happened on a separate occasion when I was at work and she was watching TV with a friend. On another night, I was at work My girlfriend was coming back to our apartment from walking our puppy and she stopped to unlock the front door. Our puppy stepped back and started a deep growl at the door, to which my girlfriend tried to calm him down, saying, Arlo, buddy, it's okay, it's just a door. She dragged him into the apartment as he refused to go inside voluntarily, only to find our cat stood straight up on the back of the couch, looking up at the ceiling and hissing. We've also both heard someone knock on the door two times when in the apartment alone. For me, it was a light knocking, somewhat polite, as odd as that sounds. I open the door to check, and there's obviously no one in the hallway. For my fiance, she was in the shower, and heard an aggressive and loud rapping at the door twice, just like me. So loud, in fact, that she got out of the shower, put her clothes on, and opened the door to see who the hell it was. Again, there was no one there. On a separate occasion, whilst I was in the apartment alone, I was going to the bathroom with the door open. Our cat and dog liked to stand outside of the door whilst we're in the bathroom because they're clingy and love us and to be fair, neither of us are complaining about it. 
Anyway, I'm in the bathroom and can see both of our animals staring back at me. When suddenly, I hear the dog's crate door smack shut and the metal rattle. At first, I thought maybe Arlo had slammed it shut, as sometimes he likes to play with the door. But then again, he was standing right in front of me, as was the cat. For some reason, this instant scared me more than the others, so I yelled out in a firm voice, You are not welcome here, and proceeded to light the candles on my altar and sage the apartment from corner to corner. As I write this, we've just came back from visiting my fiancé's parents, who live in a more rural, wooded area than us. Last night, whilst we were asleep in their basement, both tossing and turning in the bed, we were woken by a sound from the floorboards above us. Now, my fiancé's parents' house has many animals, and she also has younger siblings as well, so to hear a noise above us at night isn't abnormal. But it was three in the morning, and this was no noise coming from a small child. I'm usually the alert one at night that wakes up to ask, what was that? But last night, I was woken up not only by the noise from upstairs, but also from my fiancé, nervously saying, Matt. Do you hear that? What is it? We both stared up at the ceiling and listened to what sounded like someone tapping on the floorboards with their fingers very, very loudly as if it would have hurt them to do so. Tap, 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 tap. As per usual, we looked at each other, shook our heads, sighed, realised there was just nothing we could do about it and just fell back asleep as we continued to hear tap, 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 tap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.